Welcome to Cleaning Up, a podcast about all things business, commercial cleaning and franchising. Each episode, we bring new insights on growing and building a janitorial business. We discuss business, franchising and all things cleaning. Here's your host, Damien Boehm. G'day and welcome to this episode of Cleaning Up. I'm Damien Bohm, I'm your host, and today I'm going to share with you the best way to win commercial cleaning contracts. I won't be beating around the bush, I'll be giving it to you straight, telling you how it is, I may even bust a few myths. The process I'm going to share with you today works. I've used it myself, I've taught other people how to follow it, and they've gone on to win half a million dollars or more of annual cleaning contract revenue in a single year. And best of all, they've done it without spending a dime on advertising. If you do a quick Google search on how to win commercial cleaning contracts, there's a good chance that you're going to come across a number of blog posts, websites, YouTube videos telling you that the way to go is online. You have to have a great website, you have to have a social media presence, and the goal is to attract people onto your sites to fill in their details and request a quote from your business. I'm here to tell you that is complete BS if you're serious about growing and scaling your cleaning business. No one who has a business doing millions, tens of millions, or hundreds of millions of dollars in cleaning contract value has done it through online only. That's not to say that you shouldn't have a website. That's not to say that you can't get leads doing it this way. But if you're serious about winning an avalanche of cleaning contracts, it's not the way to go. The reality is there are only four ways to scale a commercial cleaning business. And the first one you're going to hate, it's cold calling, whether on the phone or in person. The second one is nurturing a database and building relationships with the contacts that you made through cold calling. The third one is tendering. Don't bother with this unless your revenue is at least $5 million a year. And lastly, it's strategic alliances. They take time to find and those relationships take time to develop. And in the early stages of your business, while you're still small, it's not likely that you're going to find the partner that is going to give you the lead volume and size opportunities that you really want. So that leaves us with the first option, cold calling when starting out our cleaning business. And if you're a human being, it's likely that will send a shiver down your spine. No one wants to be a nuisance. No one wants to be an unwelcome pest and an interruption. And let's be honest, cold calling has a lot of negative connotations. It's sometimes been called caveman marketing or the marketing of the desperate. And it's not your fault you think that way because nobody has shown you the right way to do it because there is a way to do it where you become a welcome guest that you face little to no rejection and it could be fun but in the interest of transparency there are some things you must have in place before you can make this strategy work the first one is understanding your target market you need to know what makes them tick what they're problems are, their pain points around cleaning, and your service must be a solution to them. You must have some USP, some unique selling points 
that differentiate yourself from the tens of thousands of other cleaning companies out there. You can't just say you clean offices and you have some great references. If that's the case, you just be competing on price. Second, you've got to be consistent. This won't work unless you work it. It won't work if you make a few phone calls here or there, make a couple sites visits in a few weeks time and are in general sporadic with your activity. You've got to be dedicated, you've got to be disciplined and consistent in your activity, preferably on a daily basis. And lastly, you have to have a value add follow-up process in place after you've sent a cleaning proposal. Now, we don't have time in this podcast to cover what that follow-up process should be or what to include in a proposal, but we certainly will cover that in future episodes of the podcast. Before I cover the best way to approach commercial cleaning clients, I want to take a moment to discuss the difference between marketing a residential cleaning service compared to a commercial cleaning service. Lead flow from these platforms is slow and expensive. The way that you attract commercial cleaning clients is totally different to the way that you attract residential clients. You can't market to them in the same way. You can't look the same either. Corporate clients won't take you seriously if they think you mainly clean people's homes. So don't feel bad if you're listening to this podcast and you've built a successful residential cleaning business and wonder why you struggle to branch out into commercial. They're not the same. Commercial cleaning is B2B. Facebook won't work. Your website is not going to be your primary lead generator. You can't use the same platforms uh, in the same way that you've used them before to grow your home cleaning business. It just doesn't work. Now, that's not to say you shouldn't have a web presence, that you shouldn't have a website, that Google My Business is completely irrelevant. It's just not going to give you the volume of leads and the volume of opportunities that some online marketers and gurus have led you to believe. Um, yes, You'll get leads. Yes, you will grow your business, but it will be slow and expensive. Referrals work too, and it's great to get them. Every business should have them. But again, this is a slow way to grow your business. The problem with inbound marketing strategies such as these is that it's difficult to drive growth. You're sitting around waiting for leads to come to you. And even if you're willing to spend a lot of money on advertising, there's only so many people doing a Google search or so many people on Facebook uh, or LinkedIn that are right now looking for a cleaning service. This means that you're going to be missing out on the bulk of the market that is quietly dissatisfied with their current cleaners, but need a gentle nudge to take action. See, cleaning is normally not a high priority in a business. They get frustrated when it doesn't get done correctly. If there are major dramas, they will actively be searching for new cleaners. But more often than not, they're just 
dissatisfied with what they're getting and they need to have a gentle nudge. Someone needs to have a conversation with them and show them that there's a better way. And guess what? While you're waiting for leads to come to you, your competitors are going out and having conversations with these people. And those guys are never searching on Google to find new cleaners because other people are going to them and having conversations with them before they ever need to go there. This is a dynamic you don't find in residential cleaning. So if we've decided that cold calling or outbound marketing is the way to go, what's the right way of doing it? Well, I can tell you the wrong way of doing it. You walk into a business, you see a receptionist sitting at a desk and you introduce yourself this way. Hi, my name is Damien. I'm from Urban Clean. I'm in the area at the moment, just seeing if people are happy with their current cleaners or not, and if you would like a cleaning proposal from me. Wrong, 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 wrong. You could make this script worse by asking for five or ten minutes of their time or embellishing it by telling them that you have some clients that you service down the road. The reason this approach and this script fails is because you're telling them things that they don't care about. They don't care about your name. They don't care about your company. They don't care that you're going out giving people proposals. In fact, it's selfish. It's all about you. It's about you, your company, and what you want from them. If you've tried cold calling in the past and wonder why it was so hard, there's a good chance you've followed a script that's similar to that. I know because that's how I did it when I started and I gave up on it. I would have to approach 40, 50, 60 businesses and maybe one of them would say yes to a proposal And those people either felt sorry for me or were in a desperate situation. I just walked in at the right time. They could have fired their cleaners that morning. The cleaners left the doors unlocked or the cleaners walked out on them. And I just happened to be at the right time at the right place. And when you follow a script such as this, you will receive rejection. People will consider you a nuisance. You will be an interruption and an unwelcome pest. Compare that script with this approach. You walk into a business and say this, I was just next door with Tony doing a cleaning assessment and I thought it'd be silly for me to not drop in, say hello, introduce myself and see if I can help you with your cleaning. Now it's likely you are going to get a soft pushback when you say that. They're going to say that they're happy with their current cleaners, they're under contract or they've got cleaners and they're taken care of right now. You're expecting that It's a soft rebuff, though. It's not a hard rejection. And when they say that to you, you're going to agree with whatever they tell you, whether they tell you that they're under contract or they're happy with their current cleaners. You're just going to agree with that statement and follow it up with things change. No one's ever disagreed with me on that statement. Things change. And they will nod their heads and say, yeah, of course, things can change. And when they say that to you, you reply by saying, I tell you what, I'll make it nice and easy. I'll send some information across to you so you've got it at your fingertips when you need it. Nine out of 10 people are going to say yes. They're going to give you their business card, 
their contact details, or at the very least, a name and an email address. Once they've exchanged this information with you, you have permission to start a conversation. And you can ask them how often their current cleaners come. More often than not, they tell you. So they can tell you once a week, twice a week, five times a week. You can ask them what they do when they come and clean. So you're understanding their scope of work. So whether desks are getting cleaned, whether it's just this area that you see that gets uh, cleaned or there's another level or there's another building or there's a warehouse with bathrooms in it. So you're getting an idea of what the scope of works is, uh, how frequent the cleaners uh, come, and you can engage in a conversation where you start uncovering what matters to them, what what's important about the clean to them, uh, what people care about in the clean, and you can pick up on any frustrations they currently have with their cleaners. Now, when you start this process, something funny is going to start happening. They're going to give you a tour and walkthrough of their office. See, you've just shown that you're interested in them, not in yourself. And they want to show you now the cleaning, that you're asking them questions, people like to help. And there's a chance they're going to walk you right through their building, show you their kitchen, uh, show you their bathroom, show you the toilets at the back of the warehouse, and start pointing out things that matter to them. Now, this doesn't happen every time you do this, but it's going to happen more frequently the more comfortable you get with this process. And guess what? You now have all the information you need to provide them with an accurate quote and proposal. Now, what I'm about to tell you is counter to just about anything you've heard about commercial cleaning sales. And it's this, you don't need to have a set appointment to be able to send them a price. See, the commercial cleaning industry is obsessed about set appointments. These are set appointments where someone has agreed to 15, 30 or 45 minutes where they're going to sit down with you, tell you their scope of works, what their needs are, show you around the building and you get to do a sales pitch. I'm here to tell you none of that is necessary. Yes, they're great to have, but you don't need them to send someone a price and a quote. What I've just described to you is all that's necessary to give someone an estimate. Now, if you're experienced and it's a small building, more often than not, you can give them a fixed price. But even if it's a large building, and you haven't had a chance to walk right through the building, I would still give them a price. That price would be given on the proviso that it's subject to a full walkthrough, but still, I want to give them a price. Because if you send them a proposal without a price, you're just giving them a brochure. The reason people are going to open up your proposal is they're curious, they want to know, what the monthly price is compared to what they're spending already. Now, the reason this approach works is because it's social. You don't feel awkward. They don't feel awkward. It seems like a very natural conversation to have. In fact, you're not even mentioning your name 
or the company that you're from. It's irrelevant to them when they first meet you. They don't care about your name or your company. And the fact that you were with Tony next door adds credibility to you because they're thinking, even at a subconscious level, if it's okay that Tony from next door speaks with you, it's okay that I speak with you. And yes, of course, it's normal for you to want to come and say hello and introduce yourself and see how you can help us as well with the cleaning. So this is a natural interaction and you've done everything in the right sequence. Now, the added benefit of this approach is that you are going to be building a database. So you can approach 20 businesses, 15 of them will be okay to accept a proposal in this way from you. Not all of those 15, of course, are ready to change cleaners, but now you have their information and permission to send information and communicate with them. You can market to them now, and you have a lot of valuable information about them. You'll have all of their contact details, you'll have the scope of works, you'll have at the very least an estimate of what the monthly value of their cleaning contract is and more often than not, the decision makers. At least one of those 15 are going to agree to your service and sign a contract, especially if you've done a good job identifying what they want, you're in budget, and they like your proposal. You can follow this process on the phone as well. It does work better in person, but with tools such as Google Earth and Google Maps, you can virtually walk the streets. You can call them up, have a look at the the top of the building, the outside of their building, and simply ask them questions to get the right information to send them a proposal. Right now, I can imagine some of you are thinking, why doesn't he mention telemarketing? Telemarketing does work. I just don't recommend it. And by telemarketing, what I mean is someone, it calls a number of businesses to get someone to agree to a set appointment of maybe 15, 30 or 45 minutes where you get a chance to do a walkthrough and a pitch before you send them a proposal. There are a number of reasons I don't recommend telemarketing. The first is it's a double up of activity. You need two people now to make sales. You need someone on the phone, ringing people up during the day to set appointments and somebody who's going to go to those set appointments. So this makes sales more expensive. The second reason I don't recommend telemarketing is that if your telemarketer is unable to set appointments, often your salesperson doesn't do anything. A good telemarketer can set on average two appointments a day. Some days they'll set only one, some days they might set three, but on average it evens out to be about two appointments a day. Sometimes your telemarketer though can go through some dry patches and they could go sometimes for an entire week with only one or two appointments. Salespeople, I'm afraid, are the masters of excuses. So if you don't have any appointments for them, it's likely they're not going to do anything and they're going to say, I didn't get any appointments. What do you expect? And let's be honest, if you're that salesperson 
and the telemarketers don't set any leads for you and you're used to getting set appointments, is it likely you're going to go out and generate your own activity? Not likely. Just a few words about telemarketers. Generally, it doesn't work if you outsource this function in your business, uh, especially if you try to outsource it to places like the Philippines or in India. People pick up on it straight away. Uh, You need to have somebody who can show empathy on the phone call. It's a skill. It's not easy to do day in, day out. Telemarketers are hard to manage. The Good ones tend to be prima donnas. They're on an emotional roller coaster. So some days they're high when they're getting appointments. Other days they're low and they're at the pits of despair. They're not easy employees to manage. And the ones that are level-headed, unfortunately, for some reason, don't get as many leads. Maybe it's something about the constant rejection that grinds people down, that and it takes a certain type of personality to do it. The last reason I don't recommend telemarketing is that you're going to send proposals to people who would have said yes to a set appointment anyway when you're doing it door to door. But you have missed out on something if you only did telemarketing. You've missed out on sending proposals to people who weren't ever going to agree to a set appointment. So you can't build a database easily with telemarketing. So there you have it, folks. I've shared with you the best way to win commercial cleaning accounts. There's a few things we didn't cover this episode. We didn't cover how to estimate, calculate prices for cleaning jobs. We didn't talk about designing a service around a target market's needs. We are yet to cover what to include in a proposal and how to provide value to potential clients in the follow-up process. Future episodes, we're going to be covering all of these topics. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of this content when it comes out. And if you are interested in getting started in your very own commercial cleaning business, whether as an operator or someone who's more involved in sales and management, look at our show notes and you can find information of how we can help you do that. Bye for now. Look forward to meeting you again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Cleaning Up Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. This podcast has been brought to you by Urban Clean, a commercial cleaning franchise with opportunities available globally. Check us out at www.urbanclean.com.au. Stay tuned for our next episode.